Welcome back to iZombie Radio. My name is Chris King. I'm here with my co-hosts, my good friends, Blaze Hopkins and Sean Carpenter. And we are here to discuss Season 5, Episode 5, Death Moves Pretty Fast, of iZombie's final season. But before we get into this pretty major episode, I think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously we'll dive into it. Some, some major developments happen. Uh, I want to check in with my two co-hosts here, see how everyone's doing. Um, Sean, how, how are you and your dog doing? Because it sounds like your dog is, is breathing in a little bit there. Uh, she's currently laying <laughs> next to the bed pretty loudly. Um, it's, it's all good. I, mean, I want to know how she's doing. I think, I think our listeners want to know, too. Yeah, everyone, loves, um, everyone loves a dog. And apparently the internet really loves my dog. Uh, <laughs> if you couldn't see from my Instagram posts being literally just her. Um, she sleeps a lot. She's doing good. You know, happy, healthy, sleepy, mostly. You know, usual dog stuff. Very nice. Very nice. And how are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh, have today and tomorrow off from work. So, I'm uh, doing a whole lot of nothing, not thinking about anything work-related, which is a fantastic thing. Um, and, can't, you know, just, can't beat that. Yeah. No, not, not in the slightest. Just playing some video games, maybe doing a little dishes here and there when I feel like it. Clean up the apartment. Nice. You know. What, you, what are you playing, might I ask? Uh, the Assassin's Creed 3 remaster that just released a couple months back. Because it's all shiny and brand new. (laughs) There you go. Nice. I'm actually playing, I'm playing in, I guess, a somewhat older game as well. But, uh, it's, uh, I picked up the wrong one. I thought I got the, the, like, the original Tomb Raider, but I got Rise of the Tomb Raider, which is the second one. So I'm playing that one right now, th- thinking I was playing the first one. Doesn't matter. Came out, came out in 2016. It's still really good. I'm enjoying my PS4 a lot when I get home from work. Um, Man, these are really weird all... story beats for this game. I yeah, thought this was supposed well, was to be like, an intro. Well, it was like I think, it, I think it even was like I think it was. Uh, it was because there's still there's still a lot of flashbacks and trust me guys this will not be the Tomb Raider podcast but uh, there's and I think too just because like I've having played past games and having seen the movie I was just like oh cool so they're just like giving us little tidbits here but I was like I was also like she seems to really know what she's doing um like she's like super survivalist Lara and then I looked it up and I was like oh crap that's right the remaster of the other game came out in 2014 so. Once I beat this one, I'm going to go and play the original one, and then I'll play Shadow of the Tomb Raider finally. Uh, hopefully that go. will all get done this time. Yeah, exactly. But aside from my video game hobbies, uh, Blaze, how are you tonight? I'm chilling. I'm uh, excited that the week is close to being done, but uh, yeah, um, otherwise, no complaints. Any, any, any interesting tidbits from your week? Nah, busy work week. It's Philly beer week right now, so I have a lot going on at work. But, uh, nah, not really. I mean, otherwise, just, uh, you know, kind of doing a lot of on-site coverage for that and, uh, 
Uh, yeah, that's probably the most interesting thing. Otherwise, I'm just like vegging out at nights when I get home. If you could recommend one Philly beer, like one beer from the Philadelphia area for our listeners, what would it be? Um, damn, dude, you're putting me on the spot like this. There's so many. PA is lucky. Philly and PA are very lucky and fortunate to have Yingling. Mm-hmm. Classic. That's the only one from that you need Pots. to. That's the only beer you need to drink. It's from Pottstown, not from Pottsville. Some people like to try to tell you it's from Pottsville, but it's not. And uh, that has been Philly Beer Talk uh, for this episode of iZombie Radio. But ah, uh, oh, man, no, no, that's cool. I mean, you know, you and I are both big beer fans. So I figured I had to put you on the spot a little bit, see if you could uh, could share. Share the knowledge, you know, <laughs> share your insights. But, um, but all right, well, uh, oh, and uh, quick quick sports aside, too, by the way, it literally looks like the Cubs are going to sign Craig Kimball. Craig Kimball, like it's like about to happen. Um, all right, but back to iZombie. Sorry for the sports notification that just came up on my phone. This episode is episode five of season five. It is called Death moves pretty fast and uh i was doing that deliberately slow i'm sure the joke landed with all our listeners anyway does someone else does someone else want to host i'm like sober and i'm acting like i'm anyway but uh yeah so season five episode five lots of big things happening um, lots of big things happening because of news articles, funny enough. There's, like, the two big news articles that are published that caused some, like, major shifts in this episode. Um, I think, I mean, I really can't think of anywhere else to start in this uh, discussion than Mr. Blaine De Beers himself. Uh, so, uh, Al Bronson of Bluster Magazine continues her, like, investigation... Uh, you know, even though it's kind of uh, guised as a profile in this episode of Blaine, she does a little bit more digging, talks to a lot of our, our main characters, including Ravi, Liv, and Peyton. And uh, she finds out some stuff, also with the help of uh, Harris, the millionaire teen DJ's brain. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think by episode's end, Blaine's in a really different position than what we've seen so far from him, especially this season. It's kind of the first time that someone's really gotten ahead of Blaine and kind of turned the tables on him. This um, is what we needed to happen to Blaine. That's what I, well, yep. and that's what I was about to ask. Yeah, either one of you guys, feel free to jump in. I know, Blaze, you were talking first, so if you want to continue. Uh, yeah, what did you think of this turn of events for Blaine? Were you happy to see it? Where do you think his character is going to go? And uh, do you think he's going to get desperate enough? I mean, he sees that Freilix, uh syndrome article at the end. Are we setting up some Ravi-Blaine conflict now that Blaine's in this, like, desperate position now that he's been outed? Uh, I'm not sure. I felt like... So this is absolutely what needed to happen to Blaine. I mean, he's been, you know, living like a king. And finally his... Uh, you know, he's been able to... Uh, in his mind, sort of washes hands of his past, and it's, you know, his hustles have finally culminated to a legitimate, making him a legitimate uh, businessman, but he doesn't deserve that. We know, we've never felt like 
he deserves that. Um, very fitting for his character to reach that peak, sure, but um, I'm happy that we saw this downfall. And I, I thought that, um, you know, I, we've, we've talked about in the past uh, couple episodes how, it, I mean, at least on, on my end, like, I've been praying that we would see Blaine go back to just full season one roots. I feel like this episode really, uh, to me, felt like, again, it feels like this show is is really rounding back to its core for the for the ending. I mean, even just with... Even uh, though it was a shame to not to have Clive sidelined, although it was funny, you know, I felt like getting a Liv and Robbie specific episode and then the fact that it so directly involved Blaine, it really felt like the, the first season where it was like they were the only two that knew kind of about zombies and stuff and Robbie was the only human and they had to do all the legwork on their own. So I like I really enjoyed that they set this episode up like this and that they included um, this uh, kind of Blaine's downfall, I'll call it, um, in this episode as well. Because just, you know, the, the look on his face and everything in that end when after he had read the article, seen everybody kind of rioting in his house. And then I wasn't sure. I think that's an interesting point about the um, Freilich brains. I more so took it in the moment as just, you know, Blaine getting cracked on by one thing and then immediately realizing, F my life, these cures that I have are going to very quickly diminish in value or be almost worth nothing. And so I took it as more of just like piling, uh, packing the punches on all at the same time and just I felt like at the end of the episode... Blaine fully was just like, all right, you know, I'm back to square one and like, we, we got to grind again if we're going to, you know, to get through this. Um, I think that's definitely an interesting topic, my, or idea, um, especially because of how the episode framed, uh, kind of the two people being impacted by, um, Isabel's mother's interview, the article that was released the most are obviously Blaine and Robbie, um, and I do think it would be a really good conflict for them to have, especially with the mis sort of, I'm going to assume exaggerated or misleading uh, things said about Peyton in the article. And I think if it does come down to setting up a conflict um, between Blaine and Ravi again, I would really hope that it would, you know, give Ravi a chance to be to handle things kind of maturely and show a difference with a different outcome this time. My only question, or kind of, um, I think the only thing I would question could be a stretch with that is: Are you really telling me that there are? I guess it would feel like a stretch to me if somehow kids with the Freilig brains were already in or around or able to be kidnapped and smuggled into New Seattle on such a short timeline. But we'll see. Uh, I think that's definitely mm -hmm. a very interesting point, and it's something I did not think of. Well, I guess the other thing is, is like, does this is this where Ravi's connection with the CDC ties in, right? Where maybe now we're going to see him try to... Uh, with the other doctor whose name's now escaping me. Is it, is it Dr. 
is it, is it Collier or something like that? It's something like that, and because she hasn't been yeah. in the show since episode, what, one or two? Since the premiere, I believe, yeah. yeah. You know, I don't remember either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could, it's I could been see a while. her. Yeah, I could see her. Um, I could see her kind of kind of coming back into it. Um, but no, I agree with you. I think it was, it's a, I'm, I'm personally really happy to see the show getting kind of coming for full circle in that way with Blaine setting up his, his villain villainy again in that way, setting up his desperation. Yeah. Um, I def, I definitely took it as him, um, planning on going after the Fraley brains though, just cause I don't know. I just feel like, like what else does he have to do? Kind of. Well, yeah. What's his, he's now like, what's his, his next move? If that's not it, I guess. Yeah. I, what, what's his next move? If it's not that. And it's like, now he has like, well, also what's good to him about being in new Seattle and what's good to him with being a zombie anymore either. So I think he like, like I could see him consider getting the cure for himself. And then obviously also trying to sell it and monetize it in a way. But like, I don't know. I mean, there's that really telling line, and Sean, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, where he he does say to Al about how things are different now. People kind of come up to him and either give him a high five or a handshake, I forget the exact line, mm-hmm. and they, on the streets, and like they thank him. And that, to me, actually seemed really genuine. Yeah. Um, and it, it added some nice complexity to Blaine's character, so... Um, so I don't know, Sean. Do you still think there's a part of Blaine at all that still wants to be that that kind of hero guy that he he pretended to be the kind of performance he put on for Peyton back in season three? Um, do you think he still wants to be that on some level? And do you think now that this big expose is out there, do you think that part of him is like totally kind of totally dead? That that chance to be that, you know? Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think it could go either way because I it is the beginning of his sort of kingdom crumbling and he's sort of now in free fall trying to grab whatever he can to pull himself back up to wherever he manages to grab himself. So if that means him becoming a sort of hero, then maybe, but... It's going to get out that he has X amount of cure left. And the Freilich's brain is going to come into play as well. I'm pretty sure it's going to come into play literally next episode. I have a feeling that it's just going to go straight into it. And we're going to see the CDC pop up again. And it's going to hit the fan. And it's it's going to be more chaos than what we've seen so far. Um, which is saying a lot. Uh, but in terms of Blaine, it it's going to go either one of two ways. Either he's going to try and turn as many people into zombies as possible so they still need him, or he's going to sort of turn into this hero archetype that takes the cures back to Ravi so Ravi can synthesize more in a way. Because there is still Utopium out there. 
it's not necessarily the zombie utopium that we know caused the zombieism, but if there's anyone who could figure out how to make a cure out of that, it's Robbie. Um, but that's kind of how I'm seeing it. Either he tries to monetize the cure or at least dies trying uh, or actually gains a conscience and tries to fix the mess he's now found himself in. Definitely, yeah. No, I think that's that's good. Well, the only thing... I think I like what you're saying, that there is that, like, we don't know exactly yet where it's going. And I think really, though, personally, the only thing that could really pull Blaine and the rest of the crew together in some way is this mysterious, like, boss figure guy, right? Yeah. That we were introduced to. So, and so switching gears a little bit... um, and like, because I, I do at some point want to circle back and talk about the fallout that uh, that this article has on Peyton. Um, but at the very end of this episode, Major learns, you know, that there's after he sentences Enzo, the inspector, uh, to the icebox, he learns that seventeen of the prisoners have gone missing, and we kind of get that shot of some of the zombies who appear to be full Romero. Um, and I guess the question is, is, like, we know that the boss guy wants full zombie, like, domination, essentially. I mean, do you think he's enough of a threat that Blaine could end up working with uh, Liv and Major and Ravi and them potentially before the season's over? Or do you think Blaine, it's going to be a Blaine and Ravi battle, kind of, and then Major and Liv are going to be doing their own thing against the boss? What do you guys think? could either go both ways and i honestly with it just kind of depends on what sort of actions blaine takes in the next episode or two to sort of see how it would play out um i think it depends i absolutely agree with you sean i think also as we've seen in the past with blaine's storylines it really comes down to a coin flip of kind of what happens to him i mean even look at his partnership with chase graves right like think of how easily if um, if Blaine sort of didn't establish that connection or kind of run into um, Chase Graves in some way before Chase knowing maybe fully about him, that that scenario could have gone the complete opposite way. And I feel like that's always how it's been with Blaine is that it's always been, you know, a fork in the road and it really comes down to something as quick and simple as a coin flip to determine how it goes and how he chooses what's presented to him. Um, I mean, he's a hustler, so I think if it's, like, if he somehow comes across the mysterious evil boss guy first and has to cover his own ass in that way to join up with him because he feels, wow, this guy is pretty powerful and he's going to mess up, you know, like, you know, screw it, kind of go crazy with everything. Like, I, he's on the winning side. I got to be on this side. Uh, I could see that happening. Or if, he's, if Blaine somehow works out this other plan and this guy is going to get in the way of that, then yeah, I think you know he'll look for whatever avenue best suits um, his cause or just kind of what the easiest, what has the best percentage chance at survival. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. That he's always going to 
even if he ends up teaming up with them, it's going to be out of um, self-interest. Yeah, I feel like a lot I, of his uh, decisions are just like literally in the moment decisions, and that's it. Like, it's so tough to make a, a guess on that because it's just it. Like, I agree with Sean. It's almost impossible because it, it literally could go either way with him, depending on the parameters of like the scene that it happens in. Yeah, and I guess it's also interesting, too, Blaze, to pick up on what you had said last episode, where if that theory proves to be true and the boss is technically, is, is actually, like, a patient zero, um, then, like, is that enough to get Blaine motivated, where he's like, oh, this is the guy who... Um, Could they even know each who, other who, in some form from that, you know, whole scenario? Definitely, yeah. That is that is very interesting, and um, I'll be yeah. I'm really curious to see um, because I I don't think I think that's the only thing that could get Blaine to turn face in any way is is fighting against this bigger evil because despite what you know Al tries to make it appear, you know there's nothing between him and Peyton anymore. Um, but unfortunately, Peyton's gonna feel the ramifications of that um and and the thing is with Peyton what I what I did like about how she she dealt with it is like she's not even concerned about like oh how's this gonna affect my relationship with Ravi or how's this gonna you know affect my re-election like she's worried because oh that's right I'm going to DC to try to make sure that they don't drop a goddamn nuke on us the greater good and what'd you say the greater good the greater good the greater good uh yeah yeah no and and seriously that's it right where she's that's where she's going to to do and um and now, and now she's like, and now she has to kind of deal with this reputation, which she somewhat deserves. I mean, they all kind of deserve it in some way. They all allowed Blaine to do this, right? Because they were kind of positioned in a way to do it. But she doesn't deserve her name being smeared, you know, when the fact that, I mean, obviously we haven't read the article, but like from what's being, um, from what's being, uh, uh, or how it's being construed, it's that, like, Peyton, either she let this slide, which she kind of did, or, but the other thing is, is that, like, that Al Bronson suggesting that it's, like, her sexual and romantic feelings kind of blinded her to it, which we know definitely isn't the case. And I think it's kind of, also kind of, like, a sexist thing to really throw at Peyton, you know? Yeah, um, Al, Al was... I'll, I'll give Al that she proved, I thought, this episode to be a very smart character, or at least, like, very clever investigative journalist, just with, like, you know, how she puts two and two together about Liv's dumplings and seeing Harris's body and, like, how she takes the brain and everything, you know, one of the little dump brain dumplings and, like... But I was very shocked how she didn't especially that she didn't because she didn't even treat um like i mean and i know she like that she didn't treat Liv and robbie with the same type of interrogation and i know i understand it's different scenarios but just that she would press so hard against peyton without like 
asking fair questions, if that makes sense, or he would be willing to hear her out. It was just like, well, I have my answer, like, screw you. Yeah. Yeah, and you... In, sorry, Sean, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but you gotta wonder, no, too, what, just, what Don... Go ahead. No, you're good, man. I, I just was okay. responded, that's all. <laughs> I was just I was just gonna say you gotta you gotta wonder too what exactly Donnie fully told her you know because we only get part of that scene. Yeah. And what kind of what uh you know what what yarn was he spinning you know and yeah. uh, that's just I don't know for I because I, I really like Al and I like what she brought to the show and I love the fact that she was. You know, she was um, like kind of ta tactful enough to think of eating Harris's brains, right? Yeah. So she would have that vision, um, and so I, I really, I really dig that. But um, you know, I just uh, what's it called? I just am curious. I'm just I don't know. I just don't know if she needed to go as far as she did, but maybe she also went that far because. She saw a lot of herself in Peyton, right? Where like Blaine was doing the, the same kind of charming, flirty spiel on her, and she didn't really give Peyton enough credit to, like you said, to explain herself. Yeah. And uh, I guess the other thing, and Sean, I'll ask you this: Do we think a bomb is actually coming to New Seattle at any point? Like, do we think that's going to happen? It definitely is still on the table. I'm not... Yeah, I'm not going I, to throw that off the table. 150%. Yeah. I'm all in that this is... That they're getting, there's a nuke that is going to be dropped. I think that there's no... I am... I would... I would probably go put money down in Vegas if I could. Because. That Wow, okay. Okay, because look at it. So, clearly, we, I believe, so, I think we're going to get a full-on Max Rager-esque zombie outbreak, but on a citywide level and better orchestrated and more chaotic because it is being planned. I also, if I don't know if you guys caught this, right as the show opens and Robbie and Liv step into the crime scene, it is a faint line, but Liv's first line of the episode is to Robbie, quote, if anyone can talk the Pentagon out of nuking us, it's Peyton. And the fact that they dropped that line in there mm -hmm. specifically specifically bring not only do they talk about Peyton going back you know being in Washington and going back and what she's there for and everything but to me the fact that they slip where they slipped that in because I even had to pause because I was like wait what did I just like semi here and I actually mm -hmm. like clicked back so I think that the fact that they dropped that in very subtly at the beginning of the episode they also reveal to us that this there is a zombie outbreak on the, you know, basically on the brink of happening. Um, and with everything going on, 
like clearly I think because of what Enzo pulled in this episode of uh, manipulating Major while he was got you know poisoned or Alzheimer's brained um, and you know the fact that it is just this escalating conflict I feel like it is going to get to a point of no return and I personally think that it's going to they're, they're going to know the nuke is coming and it's going to be Major and Liv basically getting everybody uh, who deserves it into the bunker. And I think that Liv and Major are both going down to protect everybody they care about. So the bunker doesn't get like overrun or attacked or stormed by like zombies or dead enders or, you know, who, whatever you want to call it. But I, th I think, and another thing, the fact that um, the show is, for example, in this episode, how it prominently gave us like one last ride for a guy like Vampire Steve. And we've seen, um, who is it, J Jimmy, the character guy, char uh, the sketch artist. Yeah. We, we got an episode, artist, yeah. yeah, like we, we got, we got prominent feature out of that side character. We got prominent feature for Vampire Steve. It feels to me like they're checking off all the boxes of like, let's show you and remind you who is kind of good guys and meaningful so that it's not a surprise when everybody who, you know, everybody will, will feel, I think it'll feel like a good payoff when we see these characters and these people get into that bunker and we'll know that like they are safe and survive. What do you think? Chris? I mean, look, I mean, that's an interesting theory. Can I, so can I say why that line stood out to me? That line stood out to me because I thought it was a clunky ass piece of dialogue. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> but no i know no no, no. i didn't I, that's not me undermining and no exactly that, it was like so weirdly on the nose to start off an episode so forced yeah. yeah so i just feel like the fact that it's like a such a heavy-handed line of like let's remind everybody that they might nuke this place like while mm -hmm. they reveal all this other stuff and show sort of the escalating physical conflicts that are rising. And I feel like it's just going to get to the point where, you know, it's all out chaos. That's yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel like it's got to get to chaos at some point. I just don't, I also I just, think yeah, go ahead. also just like, think realistically, right? Even if even like in my mind, there is just like, even if they our protagonists save the day and they figure out what needs to be done to stop potential patient zero shady guy to stop Dolly and the dead enders like in my mind if I'm the government and it's like we already kind of you know looked at you guys handle one insane crisis from the end of last season and we're willing to give you a second chance and if you see all this happening again like how long until, like, how many times is it, like, they can skate by from a story perspective of, like, the government's ready to pull the trigger, but, like, they care about this one small group of people. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I just, no, I no, feel no. like for this show to be ending, like, to me, it's, like, they're going to, I feel like they're going to go out with a bang. It's going to be something, we're going to get a fun and insane ending. 
And I think that as we've talked about, I mean, we've talked about, we think at least one liver major has is going down. And like, I could even see both of them because what if it's a situation where they can't go into the bunker because they don't have cures or they're on the brink of, you know, maybe like they're on the brink of a cure or something. They don't have any of Blaine's and like, they can't go in there. They're probably, we already know the city's low on brains. So like, What's the situ- What's the next logical step? Well, let's get everybody who can go in there. In there, we've seen Liv give up cures in the past. So do- also, if they if they do develop cures, you know she's going to give it to all the kids that she's saving. All of the pe- you know, Liv is a martyr. Liv is renegade, and Major is basically somebody who you know. He, again, Major, everything he's doing, we see. We know he is a good person, and it's for the greater good, and he wants the least death toll possible. So you know damn well that both of them would sacrifice themselves to ensure the safety of others. You're right, one hundred percent right. Mm-hmm. And th- think if we get one last romantic kiss when they know they're going down. Finally, I don't. I don't know about that. I my prediction is is less that it actually happens and more that it's a that's what the that's what the kind of running clock is for like the two part finale and I I don't know if the finale is actually two parts I'm just predicting it. Yeah. Is that like they they have like you have 24 hours to um control this like zombie human outbreak thing. Otherwise, we're nuking you, and I think they try to stop it. Like, it'll come down to the wire, like a Mission Impossible. I mean, I could even see them shuffling, like, all everybody Mm -hmm. into the bunker, and it's even, like, a a live-in major. Like, like I said, Mission Impossible, like, comes down to cutting, you know, cutting the wire with a second left or something. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I just, yeah, I just think that that's what it... I see it more as a ticking clock kind yeah. of thing. Than, I mean, it would be it would be very dark. Like that's the other thing I'm thinking of is like also would they really want to end the show with like the you know the main characters go down but and the humans survive but also the humans are stuck in the bunker for like how you know x amount of years until the radiation goes away. Like they, it would be like also like if they did drop the nuke, like it would be <laughs> such a weird ending in a way. That's my thing. It's like, are we going to end it like with a hundred seasons? With a wasteland. (laughs) Yeah. Like, but with like, yeah. And then like them in a bunker or, and like, or are we going to end it like Rogue One? Spin-off show. Like Clive, Ravi, Bazio, their child, and Peyton. Seriously. Fallout, iZombie. And the way you're describing the last scene too makes me think of the end of Rogue One, with mm-hmm. um, with Jin and Cassian just like holding each other as the as the planet explodes, as Scarif blows up. Um, yeah, it would be. I yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you're. I think you're probably right. Like more so the ticking clock because like it would be like I said, it's like it's definitely building towards that. It is definitely going to be the f- ultimate and final threat and. Uh, but yeah, it it's like I think it could happen, but when when you actually think about the aftermath of like okay, so they save these people, but then those people are just stuck in a bunker, like that's not very that doesn't feel very satisfying or fitting for the show. 
No, and I feel I, like I, it then, it's like sidelining your your other your major supporting characters. Yeah, in like the last couple. I feel like iZombie is always very, um, you know, it's very to the point and conclusive with its decisions and seasons. Like we've even said how. Um, like last season, you know, like it, it could have been a series ending. Like they, you know, there could, there are multiple situations where I, I think it'll be a similar, I even could see it being, I don't even know if it is, will be as ambiguous, but we've seen them pull like this, like definitive endings for all of our characters that feel proper, but still leave things up in the air, but they're okay things to leave up in the air. So Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. Um, Sean, did you have any predictions regarding that, or or anything else from the episode that you just wanted to touch upon? Because I mean, again, this was this was a jam packed episode for sure. So, but lots of developments. Well, I'm now only thinking of Vampire Steve taking a nap in the morgue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Because I ran out of things on my notes. Because my notes are very short. Uh, it's well, also the word slippery nipple. But you know, yeah. <laughs> and that's what took Clive out. So you know. Also, fun, fun, fun behind the scenes fact for why Clive wasn't in this episode a lot. I was curious uh, if there, yeah, hit me with it. Ma- uh, Malcolm Malcolm directs tomorrow night's episode. Directs this Thursday's episode. So oh. typically, so typically when you're directing, because he had to do pre-production for that, mm-hmm. so that's why they didn't. That's why they didn't have him in a lot of scenes, so mm-hmm. he could do the pre-production for episode six. Um, but uh, but speaking of Clive, though, can we talk about? The interrogation scene when Clive's on painkillers, yeah, and how that 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 to me is easily a top, um, a top Clive, uh, a top Clive moment for sure. Like oh, he, yeah. like one of the funniest Clive moments I've ever witnessed. It was so good. Yeah, I just really I love solid. it. I just love how he keeps going. Oh, oh, oh. And, then, and then I don't. I think it was Robbie. Like Liv let him keep going, and then it was Robbie who ultimately like put the phone away. It was <laughs> he. He uh, flipped the phone down because it was on yep. like a little stand thing, so he just yep. shoved it over. Yep. It was, it was so. It was so good. Um, and I loved. I loved their uh, their. Their exchange too, when uh, Robbie was like, "Claude, you can't keep detectiving with a broken bat. You're not a uh, broken back. You're not Batman." And Claude just responds, "You can't prove that." <laughs> and it just now makes me want to see Malcolm Goodwin as Batman. I know we got Pattinson coming up, but you know. Yeah, it was a fun. Uh, yeah. It it was. Um, it's good I, stuff. It's real good stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but, I, do, uh, I did enjoy all the Vampire Steve stuff this episode too. Actually, you know, getting to see a little bit into his uh, his life. Apparently, really loves singing. 
Well, that's that's one other thing I want to touch on before we we finish up because because who is singing with them but Liv? What did you what did you guys think of the brand in this episode? Uh, you know, Harris, who is a uh, pirate DJ. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, pirate 80s DJ. Fanatic. Got rich on Bitcoin. Um, always had a scheme kind of thing. It seemed like. Uh, what did we think of the the brain? Was it was it one of our favorites of the season? Was it just okay? Any any memorable moments? It the brain was good, but it's not my fave from the season so far. Um, I'd still have to say that. Hmm, I'm trying to think. Uh. Ravi's monthly brain still is up on my top list. Really? Okay, interesting. I, I have a, I have a clip of how much of a departure from his personality it is. Um, okay. I'm also trying to think of what other brains we've had so far. And Dude, my brain is the t- blanking. Tango. The top one. Yeah, I was going to say Dancer Brain is my favorite. Dancer Brain. Dancer Brain was real fun. Yeah. Dancer Brain There's... for Liv is my fave. Yeah, I I don't think anything's touching dancer brain the rest of this the rest of the season. Although, uh, I do know what the brain is for this coming week's episode, and it it does sound fantastic. Um, but uh, I, I don't want to do any spoilers. But um, yeah, the 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 brain this episode personally for me, I thought it was fine. I thought it was okay. I found Harris really annoying. Um, so which I know is sort of the point, but, like, obnoxiously so. <laughs> I, I like I the case more than the brain. Yeah. Yes. Like, I appreciated yeah. that the case... So, A, I knew, obviously, like, it wasn't Blaine that, you know, killed the neighbor. We know he's not that sloppy. Mm-hmm. But I liked that I, I, from the beginning, was even, like, damn, is it the... I, what they presented, I was like, is it the principal? Is it the best friend? Or is it like the girlfriend played Harris, you know, because they had this bigger scheme or something with her ex-boyfriend. And like, so I appreciated that it was at least for a side, you know, such a side plot. It wasn't one that was very, that like, I just felt like, okay, this is kind of a, a waste of time. And I appreciated how much it, um, it was a catalyst for, you know, Things like finding out about the the cure sale and everything, and the, it allowed um, a couple of developments to happen. But yeah, the brain itself didn't really stand out to me. I appreciated that though because I liked that um, Liv it wasn't overtaken by it in this episode and uh, in such an important episode to the season. Yeah. No, I agree with you about the brain not overtaking. the The only moment where it really, it really does anything is the, um, which actually led to one of my favorite uh, lines from the episode, which is when Liv's Liv's telling Ravi that she's got like a, a scheme, and she goes, uh, "I know how to hear your chakra, Barty." And, yeah. And, and, and he responds, first of all, there will be no further wordplay with my name." <laughs> I just, ah, oh, damn it! I'm gonna miss these guys. I'm gonna miss these guys in eight episodes. Seriously. Oh man, but uh, 
Yeah. And then I guess the last thing I just want to real quick last thing before we wrap up here, unless you guys have any other thoughts afterwards, we, we briefly touched on the Alzheimer brain. Um, but, but with, I, I just want to see if you guys have any more thoughts on like the fact that Dolly Durkins literally seems to be, Dolly Durkin seems to be going after zombies on every front. That, like she's yeah. out, that was a smart plan. That stood out to me. I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that, all right, she's on another level. Like that was pretty, that's pretty evil. And like, that's pretty, that's a pretty well thought out and orchestrated plan. Like think about everything she would have to do and know and kind of like learn to even organize that. And I was like, okay, wow, we're going to like new levels here. Yeah. Definitely mm-hmm. the clever, cleverest plot we've had from a villain this season. So, and almost most of the villains so far, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. And then I was I was happy to see like uh, Inspector Enzo finally get some type of comeuppance for his crap. I've I've been I've been waiting for that guy to. Get his uh, get his get his due all season long. So I'm glad. I never trusted him. No, never me either. Enzo. Yeah, with a name like Enzo, how could you trust him? Um, I also, sorry, Danny Enzo. I, listen to us. Sorry. I also <laughs> am happy. I also was happy with that. That it kind of, um, in my mind, should put to bed the whole, like, are they going to usurp, like, Major, you know? Are they going to kind of knock him out or, like, try to take him off the throne? I liked that between um, the the woman that is, like, his right hand, you know, in the episode. Um, I don't know if she has a name, but, um, or if he used her name. We'll we'll call her Female Justin. And, yeah, exactly. And, um... (laughs) And I liked between her and then how Major um, catches Enzo by shocking him in that, uh, is it like Private Wells or who or Major Well, whoever the other character is, that, you know, Major basically um, calls Enzo, Enzo out by revealing to him, like, no, not everybody is loyal to you and, like, this planned uh, plan of, like, radical you know, military action. So I, I like that they kind of also put, I agree, like, A, it was satisfying to watch him finally just be taken care of. But um, I also like that it kind of solidified that Major still has people on his team inside Fillmore Graves, just because I feel like outside of Justin, Major's just been taking punches left and right, and it's all like, screw Major, you know, he's a crappy leader, he's too much of like a pacifist, blah, blah, blah. So... Nice to know that there's good soldiers out there still. <laughs> totally agree with you there. Totally agree. Um, all right. Unless either of you gentlemen has anything else to bring up, I think that will pretty much wrap it up for this episode. I mean, there was a lot that happened, a lot of major developments. Um, but I think, you know, I think we, we covered it all. And I, I'm personally really excited to see now as uh, – we're kind of going to be heading into the the second half of the season soon. What what uh, what comes next now after um, after all of this and uh, and yeah, I uh, I'm I'm curious to see if Blaze's theory you know holds true or or if the show does something 
totally unexpected. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but until then, uh, you can follow us uh, for all our, our thoughts and theories. You can, uh, you can follow this podcast at iZombie Radio. And then personally, you can follow Mr. Blaze Hopkins. Where at, Blaze? Uh, I do have two more points, actually. Oh! oh I wasn't okay. done. I was just waiting for you to ask us oh, if we had any. <laughs> wow, I'm sorry. You should, you should have interrupted good. me. Um, so, one, uh, sh- shout out to Don E's absurd costume in his brain- cure delivery scene in that vision. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> Um, just like it was so absurd, um, but it felt I, it felt paid, so right. <laughs> I paid for the song. I paid for the song. Um, did was it? And then just on top of that, I just wanted to cl- get your opinions to help me clarify. So did did Liv and Al were they just kind of summing up that they had the same vision triggered by different things? Yep. Yeah. Right. Is that okay? Um. And then that's, that's how hers was triggered by opening the door. Yeah. And the other was by the package delivery. Yeah. Flower delivery from Blaine. Um, yep. And then my favorite thing in this episode was when Major comes off of the Alzheimer's brain and he leaves Ravi a voicemail and he closes it with telling Ravi, you complete me. <laughs> um, I just thought that was like a fitting, nice touch. It, yeah. it made me laugh. Very, very true. That was, that's, that's actually a really good point. I, I do, I've been missing their bro, I missing, I always miss their bromance when it's not in it. And that was a nice reminder of, yeah. uh, yeah, 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 that's, that's really good. <laughs> but that's all I got. Now, now you're wanting, now you're making me want a whole, uh, major Ravi centric episode before the season's over. Chris, can't you imagine though, if, uh, if, Liv and Major die, and the, the show finishes. Mm. Robbie re-listening to Major's voicemail, leaving off with that. Stop! I don't. <laughs> that, oh, ah. <laughs> that's the other thing, man. I don't want them both to die because then Robbie's got to like bury both of his best friends, and that's not cool. I know. Uh, it's not cool at all. But um, Sean, did you have any other things you wanted to bring up? No, Blaze touched on the, the last two things that I was going to mention, too. Mostly the wig, because, God, <laughs> that wig was just... Incredible. Oh, it was too much. It, it was too much. <laughs> it was incredible, but too much at the same time. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, well, then, and then, Sean, can you tell the, the good people at home where they can find you? Um, on Twitter at snarky sean you'll find the rest of my stuff there including my my now favorite tweet of i hate social media posted onto social media (laughs) um the irony in that is just is just fantastic um but yeah that's me all (laughs) righty sounds good and blaze um, you can find me at Blaze Hopkins on Twitter, and um, that's pretty much it right now. I'm also going to officially plug. Uh, I am uh, having the works a uh, podcast. I'm trying to get together for the upcoming HBO Watchmen show. Um, it is called "You're Locked In Here with Us," based off of the famous Rorschach line. Um, 
you can find that on Instagram and Twitter at Locked In Pod, um, and I'm doing that with my cousin and uh, Chris until I drive him crazy. Good. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't always promise to be sober on that podcast. Um, and uh, but um, <laughs> no, nah, I'm just just messing around. No, it's gonna be. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you announced that. Uh, that's something that. Uh, that that Blaze and I have been uh, discussing a lot recently, and especially with the fact that you know iZombies is going to be ending in in a few weeks. We kind of still had that podcast bug, and uh, we wanted to we wanted to do something new together. And Sean, if you end up watching the the show, we, we're going to have to have you on, dude. Absolutely, like, so. I probably will because it's probably going to be HBO's new Game of Thrones Soprano esque show, anyways. I hope so. so. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's one of my favorite comics, um, and obviously, I'm a huge Damon Lindelof fan. Um, but yeah, I've been itching to do something um, with my like this with my cousin, and um, you know, right now everything is really just social media. I mean, I'm trying to just kind of, um, you know, not a lot is. Co- I'm expecting a lot to come out during San Diego Comic Con and possibly New York Comic Con too. But um, so right now, uh, I'm just trying to fill up the profiles by connecting with the community, you know, posting a lot of fan art and digging up any news I can find. And um, I believe next week, we're going to start rolling out some uh, preseason content. So you'll probably hear an introduction to uh, all of us and uh, kind of we'll do like a trailer reaction as well. And uh, after that, I'm pretty sure it'll be jumping into the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be uh, should be pretty good. Should be pretty fun. So yeah, guys, be sure to um, look out for updates from that uh, on you know Blaze's social media on the uh, Locked In Here with Us podcast uh, Twitter, or you can always also follow me at CKinger13 uh, on Twitter. Uh, any you know Watchmen podcast info will be tw- tweeted there. I also have started to finally catch up with my iZombie reviews, and I'm going to do my best to actually try to remain current. So, uh, yeah, uh, if you like, you know, hearing my thoughts on this podcast, but you want to read some of my more in-depth uh, thoughts, I know already some of our listeners do, and I really appreciate their enthusiasm for it. But, uh, but yeah, go uh, go find the, the links on my Twitter. And, uh, and again, as I mentioned before, you can follow us at iZombie Radio on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be it for this week. We will uh, talk to you all next time for Episode 6, which is <laughs> very interestingly titled The Scratch Maker. Uh, so I can't wait to see what the uh... episode's about. Uh, yeah, right? Keeping it going with the punny titles. But uh, that's going to do it for us, guys. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.